0: Hello friends, welcome to another episode of the TFC audio project. In this episode of shop talk, Mike and I talk about our mission to rescue the profession of physical therapy, or at least do our part to get there. We talk about how the industry needs to change, how what we learn in school is outdated and ineffective. We talk about the business of physio and trying to work towards realigning um, interests in terms of aligning patient outcomes with the compensation structures, because right now they're out of whack. And most importantly, we talk about how we see amazing opportunity and potential in the physical rehab world that's being untapped right now. This episode is sponsored by TFC Shop. It's an online store based in Canada that carries footwear that doesn't mess up your feet. Footwear that has a wide toe box, that are flexible, have a thin sole, and basically just let your foot function like like they were barefoot. Uh, We also sell toe spreaders to help restore optimal toe alignment, and we sell balance beams to help you reclaim a stable and injury-free lower body by consistently training your hip stability. We ship to almost anywhere on the planet, and if you want to check out what else we've got there, you can check it out at tfc-shop.com. This episode is also brought to you by our travel partner, Nanook Protective Hard Cases. They make super high-quality professional-level hard cases to keep your goodies secure during travel, and we use a wide variety of their topics. Or, or their products, rather, uh, to transport gear for seminars, workshops, and filming sessions. Check them out at nanook.com, N A N U K.com. That's it for sponsors, so let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies, starting at the feet are the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Hey folks, Nick and Mike here back for another episode of Shop Talk. Today's topic, uh, we're calling Rescuing Physical Therapy, Um, and really it's about taking back the physical health professions, you know, massage therapy, Cairo, anyone that works in the rehab space, you know, this whole field right now, this field of health and rehab and and recovering from injury seems to have kind of lost its way, and it's in a kind of a bad spot right now. Um, We see it firsthand, you know, we're trying to change this in Ottawa with how we're doing things differently in our clinic. but globally you know, it's really it's gone off path, right? It's it's not we're no longer actually helping people rediscover health and, and sustainably fix their body. And I think we just need to unpack this and have a conversation about how it got there. You know, what the problem is right now, and then ways that we see a solution to fixing this problem, because it, it's it's a problem worth fixing very much. So um,
1: and a good question is, was it ever on that path in the first place? Cause it's a very new profession if you're talking about physical therapy specifically. So it's like, as in like, is it
0: still finding its way sort of thing?
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. We, because we're dealing with the patterns and standards that have been set in the field that are, that are still here. And then all this new information is coming out and all these new methodologies for doing things and we're finding, Oh, there's a better way of doing things, but we're still stuck in these same patterns and those have gotten ingrained so hard. So The question is, yeah, were we ever on the right path and and are we still figuring things out? And I think we're realizing that with the, in the age of information, there's way better ways to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's many factors that are making it hard right now to make the transition over. But I think it's just a matter matter of time before things come around.
0: Yeah. I think every health profession and even in the movement world, everything is still evolving so quickly. And if you're stubborn and dogmatic in in terms of not wanting to change the way you do things, um, which I you know, we were just talking about this, how schools, the the, the traditional institution for learning and, and teaching health professionals, they seem to be very resilient to change. And I think that's part of the whole problem. So maybe let's start by just identifying the problem that we see firsthand in terms of physical therapy, specifically, it's, it's, it's no longer being effective at doing what it's supposed to. So where is the root of the problem? And, and I think one of the big problems is that we fixate on people's pain we try and treat their pain but we don't look beyond that as to what is actually causing their pain right what are they doing day to day in the other 15 hours the non not the hour eight hours of sleep not the one hour of exercise what are they doing in the other 15 hours that could be contributing to this and what do we need to address and assess in order to treat this problem because it's not the pain no right
1: i think that is key and we'll talk about the corporate side of things after how it's making it hard to almost treat to find that root cause approach. Yeah. Um, because if you're, that's the biggest thing is that the way I see, the, the clinic I used to work at, It was it's just all about pain. The way we learn things in school, all about pain. Um, so it's just, you know, diving a little deeper, it's why is the pain there? And I think that that's what we try to accomplish at our, at our clinic and, and trying to dive a little deeper and say what is not only the root cause, but what is something that's sustainable that we can do to help this person um and long term, thinking long term mm-hmm. equates to sustainable solutions to deal with this pain, but also deal with the root cause, and, and giving them empowerment, and and making sure that it's not going to come back again, or giving them strategies. So if it does, does come back, they know why it's happening. Um, they're educated on on potential reasons why it's happening. And they're also educated on ways they can go about starting to deal with that on their own. Um, so I think that's, that's important is this fixation on pain has become so extreme, that um, That we don't look beyond the pain we don't look beyond the pain and then that really narrows our view down to it kind of like narrows the view down to the one part we tend to be treating if we're talking about physical therapy it's like my knee hurts like right there and then it's like oh shit what's right there and we poke around, oh, that might be your meniscus. Maybe we should get it imaged. Yeah. And then we get it imaged and they're like, uh, there's, some, there's some minor fraying on the meniscus. What are we going to do? But, but then we don't look at the whole person. What, do you, what are you doing with that knee? How are you yeah. using your knee? Um, what, what are you doing all day on your knee? Are you maintaining your joint mobility? Um, the, all these other things, yeah. even if we're just looking at that, even just from a biomechanical standpoint, we're missing the boat. We're just looking at one little thing.
0: Yeah, right? and knowing, knowing that there is pain is important. But treating based solely on pain as your your number one assessment metric is so like you said, it's so narrow minded and so one dimensional when you're looking at this big, complex machine. And I think part of the reason for that is school like that's really a big starting point for where where the downfall of physical therapy starts is what you learn in school, because when we you know, first of all, schools are doing their best job to teach you to be an effective therapist. Okay, Um, you know, the professors there are teaching what they believe is the best curriculum to prepare you to actually help others. The problem is, is we learn anatomy. We do a very good job at learning anatomy, uh, you know, uh, in both the, the nervous system or the MSK system, bones, muscles. And we we almost fixate on individual anatomy because we learn body parts. We don't learn global movements. We don't learn system integration. Right. We learn this is the shoulder joint. This is every bit of anatomy, ligament, muscle, tendon that has to do with that shoulder. This is how you treat shoulder pain by isolating that shoulder joint and trying to trying to basically just zone in on that one part without much discussion as to where that shoulder connects to the back, where posture that people adopt during the day can 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 affect that shoulder. How they're using the shoulder. Yeah, like that's right. a big it's, missing element.
1: And it's that biomedical model that we're kind of stuck in. And that transition to more of the, you know, biopsychosocial approach where you're still... I think the biggest thing too is that the big picture biopsychosocial approach. But when we're talking about that biomedical part, it's like, again, the I can't stand like the, you know, somebody come with the image and, and just be so... Because it gets people really, really tied up and caught up on things like their images. They'll come mm-hmm. in with their MRI, and they'll come in, and they will be a kind of a mess. They'll be trying to think about. They've done you know hours of Google research on this thing. Um, they they'll try, they're trying to figure out what it means when there's a you know partial tear measuring zero point two by zero point. They're like, what does that mean? All this other stuff, um, and it's like, okay, well your your shoulder shoulder hurts. But for, first of all, like, how did you get to this point, right? And so. Once you realize, once you put two and two together, it's very, very simple. And once they can figure out, once they get on the same page, it almost like that alone can ease their pain. It's like, oh, no one ever told me. I was just in this like jumble. I was yeah. just in this mess trying to figure out what was going on. It's just I need to, you know, I need to get moving a little bit differently. I need to get some a uh, bit more mobility, and um, I need to look at my lifestyle and, and the ways I'm using my body. And then it's like, okay, I, I can do that. It's yeah. a lot easier than than uh, being worried about this little micro tear in my in yeah. my. Because
0: uh, that that's so abstract, and it 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 really does distract away from the important conversation to have, which mm-hmm. is how do you use your body during the day, right? It's like someone bringing the car into the mechanic and saying, my car's not moving. I don't know what's wrong and they spend five hours doing a diagnostic on the engine when really they should be saying well you don't have any wheels and tires on your car that's why you can't move it's like we can yeah. talk about yeah maybe there i can find something wrong with your engine your no one's engine's perfect but if you don't even have wheels and tires on your freaking car that's what we should be talking about mm-hmm. if you sit at a computer all day with your shoulders forward we shouldn't be talking about the rotator cuff tear we should be talking about how you position yourself all day long that is what creates the rotator cuff tear
1: Yeah. And then how you use that shoulder thereafter, like it's, um, and again, beginning back to, we'll dive into this when we're, when we talk about what it can be, but establishing more of that physical mindset and that, that movement mindset as humans, which we've lost, like no other animal really has these problems, um, these physical problems as much as we do, um, because there's that physical culture and physical aspect to every other animal, um, in in the world uh, except for
0: us right and that's not Uh, to say animals animals get injured all the time oh yeah like for sure memphis my dog gets he he's gotten injured several times but he doesn't look he doesn't need to go see a physical therapist and it's hilarious Mm -hmm. because now there's physical therapy for pets it's like that's the funniest shit ever because people are forking out all this money and it's like your dog knows how to get better it just keeps moving yeah, And that's what you should be doing, too. And it's self-correcting if you actually move for the bulk of the day instead of sit in this unnatural environment. And it's like, yeah, and using pain
1: what, as a guide along yeah. the way and, and figuring out how I can move and how I can gradually load my body up more to where I can move more like I want to move um, without getting into trouble. And that's kind of where, where we want to guide people when they come to see us is, is giving them the, these principles that, I mean, in one respect, they're very, very simple principles. But a lot, a lot of the time we've gotten so far away from it that they're, they actually turn into a more complex discussion, a more nuanced discussion, where you have to dive deep into their lifestyles and the way they're they're living their lives and and the, and the psychology, the way they look at their bodies, the way they look at their movement, yeah. um, their their fear of movement, their their um, lack of confidence in their movement or their bodies, all these other things that play a factor. And part of right. that lack of confidence, part of that
0: uh, fear of movement, is actually a byproduct of the medical system. Right? Oh, you sure. go, you say, "Oh, my knee hurts." Go see a doctor and like, okay, let's get an image. Oh, you got some nasty stuff on X-ray. You have blah, blah, itis or arthritis or whatever. That person now sees their body as something that's damaged and can never be repaired. Yeah, a
1: broken down. And there's no rat.
0: conversation as to what actually created that. And the fact that your body's adaptable and you can get rid of pain completely and get back to doing the things you like to do, but you have to change the things that are deeply rooted in your day to day life that caused the problem in the first place after decades of putting your body in a certain position.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, before we get into what it can be, um, more of the, the corporate side of things and the, the business side of things, because that's something that we're trying to directly, uh, contend with, with our clinic. Um, because I think a big part of it, it starts with the environment that the clinician is in that allows them to treat the way that they, they can treat. So the physical therapists, they're, they're really limited by the environment in some respect, right? Um. So, so let's talk about that because I think once we start dealing with that, it, it opens up the door to being able to use more of our potential skills and get more out of you know, our, our training. And, and, and again, it, it's always two things. It's like, like, you're, like you just said, in school, we, we learn it one way. We need to really flip it on its head and look at what is the best way of doing things. But we also need places where you can treat yeah. and be able to explore that. Um, so yeah, right now... Like they're, they're, both right, they're both limiting elements,
0: right? Exactly. If you don't, if you don't even know how to treat effectively with a with a kind of a movement based systematic assessment approach, then that's one element, because we're not being taught that so unless you seek it out or, or do it on yourself, or you're a physical person by yourself, and you figure this out, you're not gonna know how to do that. And then number two, even if you are the minority right now, of people that understand how to treat using a movement based approach of systematically finding out what problems in this person's software and hardware are causing their body to break down, even if you know that, you then need to be able to have a place where you can work with someone and do like a one-hour-long assessment where you're not doing anything else but working with this one person to assess, get a deep understanding of how they use their bodies, you yeah. know, whether that's work or sport, what their injury history is. Because the biggest injury so risk yeah. factor for future injury is previous injury, which means we're not doing our frigging job that we should be doing as physical therapists.
1: Exactly. So if we paint the picture now, it is basically, and it, it's in Ottawa, it's this way, and a lot of places around the world, it's the same thing, um, especially in the Western world. I think Ottawa is an extreme. I from the people i've spoken to yes it is
0: similar it's not that different but ottawa is almost an extreme example because of how many federal government employees are here how many of them yeah. have a significant amount of uh funding that they can put towards physical therapy so they're they're price insensitive right they don't they don't really pay for it um they pay a little bit per visit a lot of them get to the point where they don't pay anything it's all covered so I think this is al- it's almost good to use Auto as an example because it is an extreme example of what can happen when there's unlimited funds being thrown at a problem that no one seems to be solving.
1: Mm-hmm. So typical physio clinic, you'll go in, um, you'll get an assessment. Oftentimes, it depends. Um, some sometimes you'll get a, a half an hour assessment. That seems to be the standard at some of the bigger corporate clinics. <laughs> so clinic. crazy. Um, for so initial assessment. Uh, sometimes it's forty five minutes. Sometimes you're, you're dealing with uh, up to an hour, but. Um, oftentimes, it's it's less than that hour. Um, so that's that's kind of that initial assessment where you have to get a bunch of information on somebody. You have to figure out like lifestyle factors, all the other th- gamut of information that you need to assess somebody and why they might be in pain. You need to assess their movement quality, all of that. But the so bulk have- of physical
0: assessment is getting someone lying on a bed and moving around their joints and seeing how much range of motion you know like the typical things how much passive range of motion does someone have at their hip they're lying on a bed you're taking their body with them relaxed you're reefing their hip back and forth and i'm not saying those things are important but doing that and doing isolated strength tests in these weird positions all these special tests so that's more of that
1: does that tell you a lot i don't think that that doesn't tell me squat so that's more the methodology that we're talking about right but even from like a time standpoint not enough time to actually dive deep into all of these things follow-ups this typically typically we're dealing with 15 20 minute follow-ups that's very very uh common sometimes you'll be dealing with half hour follow-ups at some of the forward-thinking clinics but th- like the bulk of the clinics that you go to see 15 minute follow-ups that are scheduled in with fi- one-on-one time as a, with a physical therapist
0: 15 minutes and then like you'll be in the clinic for an hour a lot of times but you have 15 minutes of a physical therapist time the rest of the time you're either doing some you know you're doing clamshells or you're working with a freaking kinesiologist which are, they are very good at what they do, but they're not. You should not be paying a physical for a physical therapist's time if you're not spending time with a physical therapist. Yeah, right. And when you spend seventy five dollars or eighty dollars for a follow up for fifteen minutes, you're paying three hundred dollars an hour to see a physical therapist. When, when and you know, and the bulk of that time, you're not even with that physical therapist. So, like that's a problem. And how can you as a physio treat four people at once in an hour? It's yeah. so
1: whack. So that's just kind of what I went through in my, my last clinic. I was scheduled with four people per, per hour. Um, that did not allow me to do any of the things that I could potentially do to help this person. Um, I was very, very time limited. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I really... So you're just trying to put out fires. I, like I, try your to knee really out... hurts? Let's try and get it so that your knee hurts a little bit less when you leave. Because that's exactly. all you can do. It also created this burnout effect where I I really couldn't connect with individuals. Um, I was always just on my toes and worried about when the next person is going to come in. Because even like a five-minute somebody who's five minutes late or five minutes early that's going to throw off your schedule yeah. you're in stress mode all day right as a as a physical therapist so if you're in stress mode you're not concerned about connecting with your clients and and diving into these things that actually need to be talked about yeah, you're just trying these to not time, drown right you don't you're trying to not drown and this is unfortunately the, the you know work situation that a lot of physios are in um so again, along with that, the models that they typically use are this heavy reliance on modalities. So what did I use? And I fell prey to it, right? Because it's the environment that created it. Yeah. So I don't necessarily agree with doing things like ultrasound, stim. I don't use any of that. And we don't have any of those machines that are at our clinic right now because we find that there's a way better benefit to, there's a better use of time than using all these machines, right? They're all short-term typically pain management strategies um, and or have zero research to back them they're so like that like let's take one second to reflect on this we are taught in physical
0: therapy school how to use an ultrasound machine for about two months we we spend two months learning and memorizing buttons and programming to put into a machine that does nothing to help no. people. Zero. It doesn't even, like, even when you look at the isolated effects that that has, even if it did something, in the grand scheme of things, someone can't move, their knee hurts. Okay. Even if ultrasound in their knee helped a little bit, maybe that would be worth mentioning, but not spending two months. And we know it doesn't even do anything. So the fact that, like, I think that's just a gross example of how physical therapy schools are teaching outdated, old, like programs right their curriculum is completely outdated so much so that it's almost blatant yeah. um and and we're still being taught that well, like we i don't know if it's changed i know they still teach us ultrasound because i for just sure. spoke to a new grad but
1: here's the thing though it goes both ways because when when a somebody enters the physical therapy world the way it's set up right now is that yeah. you're going to be using that so if you're not you you almost need to be prepared for what you're going to be using in the field as it is so do you think so that's it,
0: part of why they teach it oh yeah it's for sure because, because yeah, you so
1: crazy you, yeah but but that's the way. It's bo- It's not. We can't blame one thing or the other thing. It's it's yeah. it's the it's the whole scene and how the scene mixes together.
0: I know. But right. if you if in school they they're like we used to teach ultrasound, mm-hmm. but there's a better way. We shouldn't be ultrasounding because it's ineffective and it's a waste of time. So. If you go to a clinic and all you can do is have time to ultrasound, you need to find a better clinic to work at. Like, maybe yeah. that's where it has to start. I think it should start with the friggin' physio college. That's w- why do we pay them so much money every year? They should be yeah. going around saying, you are not allowed to use ultrasound. We now know it's not effective. You are not yeah. allowed to schedule people four people an hour to one physio. That should be illegal. Yes. That's basically fraud. You're taking advantage of the health system. Like, that's what
1: I think that there needs for. to be a higher standard set from these regulatory bodies. Exactly. But but again, just back to that picture, like if you're, so Ultron is one example, but then there's like, you know, electrical stim, again, pain control. Okay, fine. You're coming yeah. to me for pain control. Wrong metric. Um, but, but there's way better ways of, of dealing with pain and there's way better ways to empower somebody to deal with their own pain on their own over time. Yeah. Um, so why did I use them? Because I was forced to use them. Why was I forced to use them? Because I didn't have time to use what I actually needed to use. Right? And you probably used them less than most other people. But again, it's still when you're seeing when four people are there at once, and you're yeah. you're just bought like and you're freaking out. Yeah. You have to be like you have to say okay, put, put the put this machine on that person, put this machine on that person. Yeah, um, I'm I'm just going to talk to this person for a few minutes, <laughs> and then and then I'm going to try to <laughs> get mayhem. that machine over. So this is what it's like for a lot yeah. of people, right? Um, so, so it's the business model. It's the business the model cause. that drives that part of side of things, yeah. where maybe that maybe they don't know like. It's almost this weird facade, right? It's like, do they actually believe that ultrasound and all these machines are going to help somebody? Maybe not, but it's, it's it's a time saver, right? And that's the unfortunate part. The biggest reason why modalities are used it's because it's a time saver f- for physical therapists. Yeah, it's and a that sounds, it's a filler, and that sounds yeah. pretty harsh. If if a patient hears that, so if seventy five percent of your time is spent with with filler, yeah, that's not good i agree you 're paying for for shit like you could you could spend that you, if you really like the electrical modalities, you could buy a lot of them on on Amazon, like if you really like tens machines and and all that, like take all of that money that you spent and buy it for yourself and, and stimulate <laughs> yourself every day, yeah. bring it to work, and stimulate yourself right but that 's not going to do shit to to fix the problem right yeah. so and, and I, think, I think like if you take a step back it 's like
0: okay, how the hell did we get to the point where this industry of health one that is so relevant to so many people because everyone seems to be breaking down has been taken advantage of so much and i really think it's just if you take a step back you look humans are humans react to incentives okay so if you look what are the systemic incentives in the world of health and right now there is a like it's just straight game theory right if if the incentives the incentives determine the direction people go in so if right now there is literally an inherent conflict of interest in the physical rehab professions because the more I see someone, the more money I make. So the the compensation model rewards amount of visits with zero connection to results. So if someone whether someone gets better or not, if you see them for more visits, and usually, you know, in our clinic, we see people for very few visits. So the better you are, the more effective you are at getting someone out of pain and back to optimal function and, and, and um you know improving their health. The better you are at that, the less you get paid. So like, and it's a big problem. I don't know the solution to it, but I mm. think there's several compelling options that, that I think are available. But we need to realign the systemic incentive structure of physical rehab professions with people getting better. So that the, the quicker and the more efficiently and the better you get people, the more people you help, the more you get paid. And it's not a simple, you know, it's not a simple switch, but I think the first step is regulatory colleges have to come in and say, you are no longer allowed to do this. There are standards. Okay. An assessment. What is, you know, you, you ask all physios, what do you think is a a period of time that allows you to do an effective assessment? I think it's at least an hour. So one hour, boom, that's the standard. If you do assessments for less than an hour, you're not allowed to charge the same thing or you're just not allowed to, right? Like that's the bar. That's the standard. Mm -hmm. Um, what is you know i don't think there should be anything else but one-on-one treatment like why the hell would you take a physio and split their time in two and give half of the quality of service to two people like it shouldn't be allowed so Mm -hmm. one hour assessments people can choose their own follow-up time but you're only allowed to work one physio with one patient if they're paying for a physio's time exactly like i think that's a really easy way i think pharmacies do this where you have to be a pharmacist to own a pharmacy Which is good, right? Because if you're a pharmacist, you go through the whole program. My mom's a pharmacist. You learn the ethics of pharmacy, of not doing shady shit. And so if you own a pharmacy and you're a pharmacist, you're probably going to abide by the ethics of that. But right now, you can be just a business dude that looks at just numbers and says, I want to make a lot of money. Well, guess what? Physical therapy is a perfect business for you to go into because you can take advantage of it and look at just profit metrics Mm -hmm. and switch around. Okay. Ooh. If we go from a 20-minute appointment to a 15-minute appointment, this boosts our profit margins up huge because we pay this physio the same amount, but we're seeing more people. Okay. Seeing more people means more money. Perfect. All these physios, you guys have a quota. You got to see X amount of people per week. If you're not, then I'm going to get a different physio to take your spot because someone else can do your job. Mm -hmm. Right? And so there's a disconnect between patient outcomes and financial motive. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly, and that's a big core of the problem. Because if only physios that knew the way to treat people effectively owned clinics, this wouldn't we wouldn't be talking about this. No, right, because there wouldn't the be part, ultrasound yeah. machines would be out of business. <laughs> the unfortunate <laughs> you
1: know? part too is that it taints the whole profession. So yeah. somebody comes in that I've you know for the first time to our clinic and they say I've tried physical therapy, uh, you know, didn't didn't really work. Yeah, it's like, well, but what they don't did really, you do? <laughs> they don't have any understanding of what physical therapy is and or could be. Mm -hmm. which I think we should dive into now. Like, okay, that's the one side of the equation. Where, what should it be? Like, how can we restructure it from both a, the business standpoint, which we just talked about, but also getting into, if we had ample time, what would we look at, right? What, are we all looking at similar things? Are we all treating the person as a whole? So let's talk about where, where, what should it be and what, what the potential is for physical therapy? Because we are in a unique scenario if we do have a place that we can treat it like we want, like an hour with somebody face to face, and then, like, you know, every time they come in, let's say it's a half an hour, 40, 45 minute follow up, that's a lot of time spent one on one with person, really delving into their health, right? Yeah. And I think we have such potential to impact people far beyond their knee irritation, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where we start. But we we can really dive into all of the potential reasons that that's happening and then go further than that. Right. Yeah.
0: You have deeper. You have more time with that human than they have with their doctor, than they have with their psychologist, probably like you have. That is it. It is such a big outlet to change. to not, You're right. Like, just saying, okay, your knee hurts, let's get you out of knee pain. That short changes the true potential of what physical therapy can be, right? Mm. Like physical therapy, people's physical health, which also ties directly into their mental health. We can literally, someone comes in with a tiny little problem, we can completely change the landscape of how they age of how they move of how they of their literally their mental health for their entire life can be changed by just giving them a better understanding of why this pain is there the things they have to fix in their life and different like i see my job as a physical therapist as someone that has to i need to get people addicted to being physical to physicality to enjoying movement to embracing movement to to understanding how their machine works most optimally and then both inspiring them to make those changes and giving them strategies to be able to do this stuff without completely getting lost
1: exactly so I mean I think time directly allows for us to dive into the potential and I think that if we start with education that that's a, another thing that time allows for so once we figure out like if somebody comes in for an assessment, we are trying to, to be almost we're trying to really figure things out. We're trying to be investigators, right? Mm-hmm. We need to kind of hear this person's story. Where are they coming from? How do they think about their own bodies? Yeah. How are they, right? You're like a detective. What's their story? What what are they? What does their job look like? What does their home situation look like? Um, what positions are they in? All of these things. And like, again, that's time, very, very time sensitive, but you need to actually just detect what's happening to this person's body where they're in pain right now and because typically they come to us in pain and again that's a whole other story i think that we have uh we could have a huge role in preventative right Mm -hmm. it's like hey do these things think about your body this way maintain your your physical body this way and over time you won't run into as many of these problems but that's a whole other side of the story But we're trying to be detectives, and we try to figure out all these potential factors that can contribute to their pain, right? Um,
0: And this is part of the perception of physical therapy. Like, we're doing this in our clinic where people will literally, word of mouth goes around, people will come see us with no pain. People mm -hmm. will come see us, and, and it still surprises me, although it's getting more frequent now, so it's not as surprising. But people will come in and say, I don't have any pain, or they'll ask, I don't have any pain, can I come see you? It's like, well, yeah, that's actually the most effective physical therapy because it requires the fewest visits. The bulk of it is education and you can literally, you know, we're so used to people coming in, they give us their symptoms and then we look for the signs. It's like we can look at the signs before they ever cause symptoms. We can tell your movement dysfunction and how to, we we can identify it and get you to work on fixing it before you ever get to the point of wearing through your joints or your tissues and that's really, that's what we have to re-engineer the perception of physical therapy. It's a place you go to never break down.
1: And and exactly, and it's those same people who come to us who aren't necessarily in, they don't have necessarily an injury or they aren't necessarily in pain, but there's something that they they found is is up, right? Yeah. They're like, uh, my, like I'm a little stiff. My body, you know, I'm going to the gym, but I don't know if I'm doing things like I should be doing. I yeah. Don't know, they don't feel. I don't right. know what I should be doing. Can you help me with that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, should I stretch? Like, they just don't know, like okay, what should I be doing? I want to maintain my physical machine. Yeah, Can you guys help me? And yeah. that's, the, that's the biggest thing. And it's like, great, we can help you. And they're already right? motivated. They've yeah. already
0: taken the first step. They've come to you. They're like, I want to do this. I just have no idea. I'm lost. I'm in a forest and I just need to be able to find a path.
1: Yeah, they're like, basically the things I'm doing right now, I know they're probably not going to lead to somewhere ideal if I keep <laughs> doing them. So what can I do here? So I think that's the biggest thing is investigating, but then educating, right? Mm-hmm. So once we find out... Of what what we're always looking for root cause. Root cause of somebody's pain. And it can be very sometimes the root cause is pretty black or white. Sometimes it's very complex. And that's the nuance of physical therapy, right? And it depends what patient populations we're treating and, and what environment you're in. Um using that biopsychosocial model to guide you, again, requires time, but that's the as opposed to strictly a biomedical model, that's important. Mm-hmm. Because it comes down to you know, what kind of stress is this person under? How do they think about their pain? How do they think about their bodies? Um, All these other factors, psychology, their social situation. um, These things we all got to kind of dive deep in and you can pick up these little cues. These skills take time to develop. But again, if you're given time To work with somebody you start to really get better at these skills because you can you can explore more with somebody you can you can have the important conversations with somebody um and and all of this and and these these little things that matter a lot are often missed because it's boom 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 we we just we just look at the pain we we get so caught Mm -hmm. up with that it might be something very very um outside of what you think it might be that's really contributing to their pain right yeah and
0: i mean you like you talked about this the other day when we were just chatting you're basically building a psychological profile for that human being you know they have a problem with their knee you know their movement is not great and and all that needs to be improved but you're trying to create a psychological pr- profile for this person to figure out what things you can give them will resonate with them and are most feasible for them to plug into their life and to exactly. do that you have to understand their life right you have to understand you have to ask you know i think one of our profs in in um Physio school said it perfectly. If you ask enough questions, they will give you the exact answer. Yeah. But if you're not assessing and you're not asking the right questions, you're never, it's going to be very, you're always going to be guessing, right?
1: And so, that psychological profile is important to to make the appropriate changes needed. Yeah. Because if you don't connect with somebody and you don't resonate with them, they're not going to do what needs to be done, right? You need to figure out, okay, what I give to this person might be completely different than what I give to this person. We're, try, we're trying to accomplish the same underlying goals, right but we might have to take a different approach with with everybody right and that's the important part of it too right we're all looking at the same human body and all of its parts because those are all the same so we need to respect that and not go too far down that road Mm -hmm. but we also need to really say because it's all well and good if you give somebody exactly what they need but if they don't buy into it and they don't do it at all then it's useless (laughs) right it's just completely useless so where's the disconnect there again that's that whole investigator figuring things out what needs to be done here to get this person doing the changes what is the minimum effective dose that they can do to start seeing these changes yeah right and then start to build these habits and start to look at movement differently look at their bodies differently look at their global health differently um all of these things right and what is
0: the dose that aligns with their motivation level because you lose people right if you if you're like i know the perfect thing for this person's body and it's doing 30 minutes of hip mobility work per day but mm-hmm. that person has no intention or not the, not enough motivation to actually do that then you're right all of your time that you have spent analyzing that person trying to get an idea of what is the best thing for this person at this point of time if you didn't do a good job at selling them on how to do it and you didn't make sure it matches up with the way their lifestyle works it's ineffective
1: you almost need to, like, prove—you have to find ways to to get in and, and try to prove that what you're doing is going to be helpful. Yeah. Right? So that's kind of the—it's a combination of the education and what you're giving them exercise-slash-movement-wise-slash-mobility-wise. Once they start to—you need them to have the aha moment and be like, yeah. oh, what I'm doing right now is affecting— the outcome that I'm going for. You need to hit
0: hit the first domino. And that might require you to figure out what do they actually like to do? What do they, does this person like to run? Does this person like play hockey or squat or whatever? And what is, and and how is that being taken away from them so that you can get people working on things that are are different from what they want to do, but directly affect the things that they like to do and they notice a tangible difference.
1: That's it. I think that's an important one too, is part of that is just what are you wanting to do with your body can we set you up in a way that allows you to do that get back to either get back to it or do it sustainably over time right if you want to golf in your retirement but your body's holding you back well let's align these interests right mm-hmm. Let, let's figure out how let's figure out okay we need to go into the nuts and bolts of why are you why are you getting that shoulder pain every time you golf like there's a there's oftentimes a, a reason for that that's very clear cut but the bigger picture is what can you do to main, to start these habits and make sure that this this allows you to do the things you want to do over time. Yeah. So we're diving kind of deep into the potential of each client, but but I think that you can separate it into that whole education piece, the whole connecting with somebody, getting a huge global look at somebody's life, how they're using their body. You know, and then other things, their sleep, their, their diet, all these other factors that can contribute into their pain, their stress levels. Um, but we also need to look at and those things matter because you oh, might yeah. be the
0: only person. So having a baseline knowledge of sleep, like something as simple as you should be getting eight hours of sleep per night, non-negotiable. This is what humans need to be able to recover and function optimally. The, you know, having a broad like macro view of what we should and shouldn't be eating and just bait like really easy strategies like come on if you're a physical therapist you should understand you're a human you should understand what you shouldn't be shouldn't be putting in your body and giving people just basic basic advice on getting them started to understand how to clean up what they're putting in their mouth because that's important to how they heal that's important Mm -hmm. to how they function and how they think and how they focus and how much energy they have it's important so You can assume that their doctor's not talking to them about sleep and diet. And I think most of the time that will hold true. So why not use that hour to just sneak in little tips? Like I'm not talking about don't get someone in for a knee assessment and talk for an hour about sleep, but you know, how many hours of sleep do you get per night? Oh, you only get six? Well, here's why humans need eight. And here are some little tips on how you can make sure you get eight. Let Mm -hmm. me know how you're doing with that as time goes on. Like little things that has a huge, huge effect when you look at the cumulative effect where that person might not have another outlet to get that information.
1: Exactly. So. so if we dive into more of the methodology used too, let's dive into the physical part of physical therapy. Yeah. Right. So well, I com- think-
0: Let's talk about like manual and movement therapy. Yeah. Because so that, that's
1: a, primarily this- related. Exactly. It's primarily related because I think the physical, it says it in the name. Yeah. We need to... We need to reconnect people with their their physicality and looking at their bodies as things that they have yeah. control and change over, and it's like their their physical vehicle for getting around and doing things in this life. That's often I think we just forget about it, that that a lot of the time. We 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 get disconnected from our from our joints and our muscles and our and our movements that we want to do, um, so we can enjoy life. Like it just. The broader scope of things is is reintroducing that aspect to people, and then we can get really detailed into why is this person not functioning to the level that they they can be, um, or why is this person running into these painful situations all the time when they're trying to use their body? Like, yeah, what's, I, what's happening? What's book, happening there? A little book
0: that I'm reading right now. I don't even know where it is. Um, anyway, it's by a lady that was a NASA. Um, scientists and she studied the effects of zero gravity on humans because basically it, the effects being without gravity for 10 for like a month gives the same effects as 10 years uh, or, or i think it was like a year of aging like they're but they're very similar so when you take away gravity you have all these nasty effects on the body and what she's saying is sitting is taking away gravity so a lot of the effects that she saw with these astronauts that were going into space um, are the same effects that we're seeing on people now that are making them age way quicker. So I think uh, why, why was I talking about that? Hmm.
1: No, it's important because my brain. No, that's the thing. So we want to actually show people why this matters to them—the environment that they set themselves up in all day. Because yeah. if they are, if their lifestyle is the biggest contributing factor to their pain. If they have something like an office job, there's there's ways we can actually get in there and affect that as well.
0: Oh, that's what I... She says humans are perpetual motion machines. Yes. That's why I was trying to get it out. Humans are perpetual motion machines and when you take away the motion, you take away the function of the human body to function like it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. That's what got me on that train of thought. And it was a beautiful way of saying it. It's like you're designed to constantly be in motion. The minute you stop being in motion, more so than that eight hours of sleep where you can be lying down, you start to, to basically steal away the ability to actually stay moving, to actually have joints that function like they're supposed to, to have good movement patterns. And she says most people have just gravity withdrawal syndrome, right? If you don't spend time fighting gravity, you lose the ability to effectively navigate gravity when you're moving. So,
1: and, and as you keep moving over time, it's, oftentimes things work themselves out. You get more competent and confident with, with movement. Yeah, And again, the, the, some of the barriers to that are some of these, for instance, Joint mobility restrictions that we see develop over time, which then hamper our ability to move as a as a fluid unit, basically, because we're not just able we're not able to get into the positions that we can get into. But oftentimes, this is a, these are these are things we can change too, right? Yeah. This is like at any age. So I think so that's important. Is, is how can we actually get people living the lifestyle where they turn into these perpetual movement machines, not to the extreme, but just enough to not. Break down. Break down and suffer the opposite end of the consequences. And then along the way, help them with, okay, well, how can we move more efficiently? How can we take the the breaks off to your movement? Um, And how can we maintain your, your joint health and joint integrity over time? Joint health is one of the topics, too, that I think a lot of physios need to rethink and look at differently because joints require that they are able to move and articulate like the joint should, Right. And, and just, it's, it's very simple. It's that, that hardware part of things, because we, we, we get so deep and detailed into this whole biopsychosocial puts The bio part of that still equates to. Still matters. You know, <laughs> it still, it still matters. And, and what are our joints, you know, how are they supposed to move biomechanically? And let's take what we know from biomechanics and let's apply it to the functionality of our body. So functional biomechanics. It's like, in order to walk, you're going to walk way more efficiently if you have, if your hip joint can get into extension, yeah. right? And and I like I said the last podcast, there's studies that show that the energy requirements of not having hip extension for elderly adults are way higher than people with hip extension. Like it, so, it's let's get back to these actually actual nuts and bolts of the body, and, and let's say, what do we need to do to actually get out of this person's way so they can express movement better? Yeah. Right. So that's what we have a good role in providing too is. We, we deal with the lifestyle, we deal with the psychology, we deal with all of these factors, we try to instill positive changes, and then we get into the details and we say, okay, you want to walk better? You like walking? Let's work on getting out of your body's way. Let's work on restoring what's needed to walk, right? You like golfing? Let's get you rotating better. Let's work on that. Let's work on your mobility mm-hmm. through the T-spine, through your hips. Let's get these parts moving better so you can enjoy that movement without like, potentially running into more more issues. Right? Yeah,
0: like number one, it is possible. Like this, I've seen this before. This is a common restriction. This is why it develops, and we can change it. And then number two is how much time do you want to spend on your body every day? Here is the best thing that I think – here's the best thing for you at this point in time to get to where we want to go.
1: And knowing and instilling that they can change it. They have mm-hmm. the, the power, empowering people, showing them, giving these effective strategies. Because if you give somebody shitty strategies to change themselves, we won't necessarily change. You're going to get shitty results. Yeah. You, you, it needs to be effective strategies that you, you implement to address what needs to be addressed mm-hmm. to get them moving towards their goals, whatever yeah. those happen
0: to be. And I, I, use, I heard this somewhere, and I used this explanation the other day. It's like, as humans, we have pre-installed software that's perfect so you have nature gave you software in your brain for movement that's pre-installed and as we go through life we start to accumulate viruses so your hip not being extend being able to extend that's a virus your ankle not being able to dorsiflex that's a virus the fact that you don't know that sitting all day is what's creating these restrictions that's a virus so how do we start chipping away at these viruses to essentially be left eventually with a body that is able to express that software, then we just have to get people to move. Then we just have to give them ways that they enjoy exploring movement that resonates with them, that that are self-motivating. So you're not pushing someone to do this movement stuff. They intrinsically want to do it or like to do it. So you, that's where you got to understand what what is this person's thing that they want to do. And then you just got to keep getting rid of those viruses. The easiest virus to get rid of at the start is them understanding why they got into that p- situation in the first place. Yeah. So and I think that's that. a big mark that we missed in physio school is we, we learn, here's the pain. Here's how to treat the pain. Here are the exercises. We don't learn, here is how to, mold, how to really understand someone and give them tangible advice on how to stop it from developing again before you even go to correct the problem because correcting the mobility issue or or you know correcting that isolated problem you can't extend your hip here i'll show you how to correct it but getting them that's not that hard getting them to understand why that happened and changing the lifestyle kind of cause that created that problem that's the hardest thing for sure and that's what we didn't learn much about and that's what i find is the most important when you treat someone for long-term results
1: for long-term results exactly Because like it or not, the way we've set up society, you do need to continually be on top of your body to some extent, on top of your health in all of these main categories. You just do.
0: You need a body hygiene routine.
1: It comes back to if you were living 10,000 years ago, hunter-gatherer, you probably wouldn't need to do all this corrective work. You <laughs> no foam rolls necessary. Right? So, okay. So we have that, but we're not going to go back to hunter-gatherer society anytime yeah. soon. So what do we need to do daily? What are some strategies to make it, like I said, the minimum effective dose? How can we engineer this into somebody's life through acquiring all this information about them, about their environment, and about all these things? And and looking at their psychology and say, what is this person actually going to going to do? And what can they do, right? And then applying the appropriate stimulus for change that they're going to actually do that they can use over time in a Mm -hmm. sustainable fashion so we can think long-term not short-term
0: and they can use two years from now on their own yeah if the same issue comes up again because then they could just be like oh i need to get back to doing this i i stopped doing it as frequently now i'm having those issues again it's not oh go to the doctor get imaged you know compare the images to the last one it's like well no you just you got to work you 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 stopped working on your body, but you kept doing the things that made you stiff or or stopped you from moving properly. So you just got to get back to that. And sometimes, like I'm sure you get those people, they come back after like six months of not seeing you and you're like, they're like, oh, this is bothering me again. And literally all they need is to be told that they need to get back to doing things regularly. I knew that's what I needed to do, but I just, I needed someone to tell me that I needed to get back to doing it. And now I'm going to.
1: Exactly. And so, I mean, a a couple other of the... The things I think about with every person in the back of my mind are, can I get this person more physically competent and confident so they're confident in their movement competence? Right mm-hmm. so they're they're just again that back to that understanding. Can I get this person more physically free? Can I develop a bit more physical freedom in the person so they can do the things they want to do with their body at any given time without having to think about the potential consequences yeah. without having without having fear of movement without- having all of these things and if that they would get in pain the way of that. if they get pain, that's okay yeah but they they'll know they'll immediately know how to troubleshoot
0: it or or triage it, so it's like okay. This pain is because of this. I need to change this behavior and the pain, and I'll see if the pain goes away. Or this pain is more serious than what I expected. I'm going to go see person X and just get some clarity on that and then go on along on my way and fix it myself.
1: Yeah, so, and that part of that is like instilling this critical thinking about the the body, which educating about the body and then instilling these critical thinking skills a little bit can can go a long way too because it's like, this thing's not the end of the world. You, you've got through it before. Here's how we deal with this thing. Here's yep. how we reframe things. We're yep. gonna get through it. This is not long term. Reframing the pain. They reframing have to. If they pain. understand
0: this hurts because I did this, or this hurts because I stopped working on this and it's not moving properly that's totally different than being like this hurts and i don't know what the hell it is and i'm probably going to go get told that something weird and get told to take pills this is a problem i don't know what to do and the brain kind of freaks out and it's that fear response yeah right? so it's like eliminating that and giving people just a better understanding of why that could be, potentially be happening which isn't that hard you can do it with a 10 year old you can do it with anyone
1: exactly and then finally the strength component too is something i i strive to get to as quickly as we can because building strength is always a good thing, right? Mental and physical. Physical and mental are very linked. But if I can get somebody doing things that they didn't necessarily know or have the confidence that they could do in the first place, that's a win. So every time they're in doing little things to progress them along the way, like the classic example is like, okay, we're going to do this this uh, carry exercise today. And somebody will say, well, what weight are you making me carry? i be very scared of it. I say, don't don't worry, I I, I have confidence in you that you can carry this weight. Mm -hmm. And once they do it, they're like, wow, like this is something, again, you're building that mental and physical strength because they've accomplished a physical task, but they've also accomplished, they've gained that confidence that they could do something with their body that they they were really hesitant and scared about first, Mm -hmm. right? So building that strength and showing them that, hey, you can keep adding to this strength cup over time. You can come see me and I can help you along the way, but you can also do it yourself. I'm gonna give you just the, the baseline strategies but you just need to start layering this strength on top of this to whatever capacity you want. Um, because just know, strength is always going to be beneficial in the long run too. Right? Yeah. You think building strength is hard? When you're weak,
0: things are way harder. Life is harder. For just sure. The, the pain and the the issues that come from being weak or can potentially come from being weak far, far outweigh the time it takes and the effort it takes to get strong. And it's just, we're not talking about like, being freakishly strong. We're just talking about having a baseline level of strength so that your day-to-day life seems
1: like a cakewalk. Yeah. Can you control your body and can you control some external loads in your environment? And then again, can you layer that on over time? The long run is where it really matters. People have a real tough time thinking long term. But once you start to see, you know, our doctors actually brought a, up a good case yesterday. There was a 93-year-old in the clinic and she jumped up onto the bed herself. <laughs> She was using no gait aids, nothing. She's very active, mobile. Um, she had a, this like physical presence about her. Hmm. And comparing that to a lot of the other people that we see. Who yeah, like 50 are 50-year-olds that need help on yeah, the bed. Yeah, need helping up on the bed. I, I can't do this. I can't do that. Um, now you start to become somebody who needs, who loses their depend uh, independence, right? You, you become more dependent on not only things like uh, you know, caretakers, healthcare providers, and all of this. This is something that we see the the trickle down effect of not maintaining that strength and not building that strength and not building that control over your body over time. Um, and, and we know too all too well from the studies too is is falls and things like that are the end stream result of you just losing your balance, using your strength, uh, not being confident with your body anymore. Right. So, I think just setting these principles up at any age gives you the tools and things to think about in the long run and again if we can affect that as physios that's huge right mm-hmm. because who else is talking to them about this well their trainer might be talking to them about this their doctor eh, maybe right and ideally Probably they not would. ideally they would too but again back to the conversation about physical therapists we have a prime we have we have the prime opportunity to do all these things we just talked about right yeah. we just listed a, listed a ton of things that's the hard part about this conversation is that there's so many things that we have the potential to do. Part of it is the the art of physical therapy and part of it is the the more black and white skill of physical therapy where we're, where we're looking at all these similar things that need to be looked at. But it's very nuanced. And I think in the grand scheme, we need the time, we need the one-on-one connection with people and we can start to realize what the potential is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can start to band together and look at, what are the best ways to do things? We can all get on the same team and say that, yeah. you know, this is what we need to be looking at. And here's how we can impact the most people with this profession. So, And that's like,
0: this is where old institutions that are reserved and resilient and unable to change and adapt and evolve, eventually get replaced. Right. And this is kind of what we're what, like. This is what we're piling right now with the footner program is gathering a group of people from around the planet to start with a base curriculum that might be like 5% of what it'll eventually be, right. But it's a compendium of, you know, articles, podcasts, um, research, literature, books, all that kind of stuff. Taking a seed program, giving it to 25 people to start with that are super motivated to help others, getting their feedback and evolving that program. And we're getting more and more people into this program, where it's basically a group of people are crowdfunding an education institute. Is the way I'm looking at it, right? It's a nonprofit, so no one's making money off this. All the money goes back into making this thing better and having some sort of platform, health education platform, that's available to everyone. In the age of the internet, it should be available to everyone that delivers better value and is current. Right? It doesn't take twenty years for a curriculum to change. It takes a month. And instead of just a small group of 10 people, you know, determining what what we teach in a curriculum. And in physical therapy school, I feel like like it was 10 people that actually don't even know how to move, Mm -hmm. can't even do a squat, might not be the physically most healthy humans, are determining what gets taught to these students based on a national exam that's really old and outdated as well. So this footner program is stay current get feedback from people, build a bigger and bigger community of people around the planet that can recontribute. Like it's bi-directional. It's not professor, teach, student. It's everyone teach each other and a group of people are the stewards to put everything together and, and organize this right and i think that's going to be something very powerful and right now it starts with feet and hips but eventually i think you know the goal with that footner program is to trickle over to a collective health education platform that's online and i i I see that as one of the biggest potential solutions to a lot of the problems that we talked about because you just Mm -hmm. have a direct pipeline to disseminate information and get feedback on how we should be changing that information because being open-minded to change is actually very hard right if, if you're if you've done something for five years a certain way and then someone says something that blows your mind and basically disproves what you just did for five years you have to be open-minded to actually challenging your thinking and being like oh i wonder if that's a better way of doing things and if it is change it right now mm-hmm. right if you find out ultrasound is ineffective stop teaching it right freaking now sorry to go back to ultrasound but it just it's a big illustration of how behind the times we are and how we're teaching and and you know Obviously, ultrasound is not the only problem in physical therapy, right? Part of it is the business model that gets used. Part of it. But if everyone, if all physios, and if you're a physio out there and you're listening to this and you're treating in a clinic where you see four people an hour, there are better business models. And there are, it might be hard to find, right? The city you live in, there might not be very many places doing this. Like Optimize, what we're doing in Ottawa, for example. We're trying to create a, a, a movement culture hub and a health hub. And we have physios that want to work with us. We just don't have enough patients right now to, to hire everyone. But, you know, that we want to set a hard standard. It's like we only do hour long assessments. We only see one person at a time. We don't have STEM and ultrasound machines. This is why. And these are the kind of things when someone comes into the clinic, we get them hanging on bars and carrying around weights because that's what humans need to do to kind of rediscover their, their intrinsic movement systems, their intrinsic software.
1: Exactly. And our doctors work on the exact same page as us, and they look yes. at these same things. That's and important. We talk, right? We are trying to set the standard of what this should be. And same thing, we are changing on the fly, right? And that's the thing is, unfortunately, we can't accommodate a lot of the people that are that are applying to, to us right now, just a matter of time. But but people, what that shows me when people apply and want to work for us and really excited and enthusiastic is that they're, they're, there's a, a need for this. They're searching. They're like, I can't find any other places yeah. where I can work like this. Can I please work for you? And it's like, w- you know, yes, like, we want you to work, work for us. With us just, w- work with us. Like, w- there, you know, it's just a matter of like we need this thing to, to, to grow and spread. And we want to be a prime example. And we want there to be other places that are prime examples of this too. Because um, this is where it needs to be. Yeah, Just but demand think, better. It's, gonna, it's probably going to be hard to find
0: something a business that has a model that that works like this. But I promise you, it is well worth the effort of trying to search and find a place to do this. And you know what, if you got if you're working in a McPhysio chain, because that's the best option. After you graduate from school, you can get a job instantly, you get a decent um, kind of salary, recruit 10 other people go out to a meal, talk to them about the world and state of physio and decide together. This is bulk shit. There's a better way. Let's figure out a way if we can't find a better place. Let's start a place together. And, but a hundred percent, if people are really interested in how do you actually get, build a community, start building a clinic or open like the business side of physio, we can do a podcast on that because Mm. it is complex. But when you understand the steps to kind of move forward, because at the end of the day, we want businesses to, to, to adopt this model, right? We don't care for everyone to come see us because it's not possible. We want other, if all of Ottawa treated the same way that we did, I would, I would be so happy because Mm. we, we wouldn't have to. You know, be frustrated you wouldn't see the frustration on people's face where they're they've gone to physio three times a week for six months spent thousands upon thousands of dollars they come to see you for one visit and they leave being like how the hell wasn't i told this yeah. how like some people are literally angry they're like how did i spend that much money and that much time in that much pain and not learn anything about how my body works and literally i have one visit and you've made me understand. Not all my problems are gone; they're still there, but I know I understand why they're there. Gives people a vision of bad. where you
1: need to work towards and and why it's happening. Yeah. And all of these other factors, and, and that reflects like... bad
0: on physical therapy. That exactly. reflects bad on these physical health professions because people are like, half the people in your freaking job have the head up, have their head up their ass, and it's like, you know, it's not just that person because, like you said, that person might just be working within the constraints of what that business is letting them do. Mm-hmm. So, how do we just pair this back and really? this needs to change and it is changing right like Mm. it's not like nothing's happening but it's just so it's the old ways of doing things have a tendency to just grip on until with you know their dying hands until until they're forced to let it go and we just have to if everyone becomes better informed including patients because if a patient's well informed and they go to a clinic and they get ultrasound for 15 minutes they they're going to be like well this isn't right This is, I'm not going to go here again because this is bullshit. This isn't actually physical therapy. So it starts with the patient knowing, starts with the physios understanding what the potential is. And then naturally, if businesses aren't providing a service that people know they should be getting, then those businesses don't exist anymore or they're forced to change. Either one of those situations is good.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. So. So our goal is just to be that driving force for change. And, you know, every person we see try to instill some of this information in them and I know. I think that's the way to do it. And if everyone works grassroots levels wherever they're at in the world and just starts to to implement these things, then I think we can make a positive change in the, in the profession.
0: Yeah. And if you're a physio, the best place to start is work on improving your movement assessment skills. Right? Like carpenters measure twice and they cut once. Why? Because measuring is way more important than cutting because... If you don't measure, you don't even know if you're cutting the right stuff, right? If you don't assess, if you don't know how to assess movement and you don't even know what you're looking for, how are you supposed to understand what you need to address? So, mm-hmm. you know, we're still getting better at assessing movement objectively, right? The FMS has done a beautiful job at basically taking away the guesswork of how to assess movement. Mm-hmm. So, that's a good place for a lot of people, a lot of physiologists to start. Maybe they don't use the FMS in its actual core structure, But at least they can understand the principles of, okay, maybe I should look at how people squat when they don't have shoes on. Maybe I should look and see how they balance on one foot. These are basic metrics and they're not that hard to spot, you know, big abnormalities or or big red flags in those things. But, you know, and even just getting, becoming a better mover yourself, right? Like if you're a good mover, if your movement sucks, it's actually good because by learning how to fix your own movement and getting rid of, you know, being able to do a squat with no shoes on, being able to lift a kettlebell overhead or or being overhead in the squat, or like the simple metrics if you can't do it and you learn how to do it and you work on your own body and troubleshoot it and figure out what the what the best way is to get those things back you immediately become a better physical therapist because you can now teach other people which have those same issues to get to where they need to go exactly so anyway hopefully that gives you guys a good idea of the health landscape i think this is probably going to be a part one we'll do another another episode about this of just rescuing the health professions because it's still in a bad place. It's getting better, but we just got to keep pushing forward. So hope you enjoyed that episode and uh, we'll catch you next time.